welcome to the new year. It is 2020. You know what I want for you? I want you to kick this year in the teeth. I want you to make it the best year of your life ever. So here's the deal. We took the four most popular New Year's resolutions and we asked you on social media to submit your questions. And now it's time to answer them. I'm Brian Tome. This is The Aggressive Life. We're back for another mini episode of The Aggressive Life. I'm with my friend Craig, a.k.a. Windex. We should tell people why you're Windex at some point. And today we're answering your questions about money. Making financial changes is one of the most popular and most difficult and most painful and most frustrating New Year's resolutions. So let's get to it. First question, rent or buy? Wow. As with most financial questions, I say it depends. The financial calculators, I think, are pretty clear that if you want a pure, pure financial thing in many parts of the country, rent is going to do it for you, right? I don't think this is a financial question because I think you can make an argument either way of I, I, I put money into the home and the home elevates in value. I mean, I've made hundreds of thousands of dollars on my houses I've owned because I've done the work myself, hundreds of thousands. And at the same time, if you want to rent and put the money in the stock market, that can grow your wealth. I think it comes down to the X factor on this, the X factor of do you like working on your own house? Then get a house. Do you hate working on your own house, then rent. Do you like creating something? Well, then maybe get a house. Do you like just having a simple life and traveling? Well, then rent. I think you ought to look at this uh, holistically as to how you want to live your life, not as a financial decision. Great. Next question. Yes. Budgeting as a single mom. There's so few references and a lot of us. Yeah, I'll tell you, I don't think that there is a more strenuous job in the world than being a single mother. I, I, j- j- just not a, not a single one. And I've not been a single mother, so I'm sorry that I don't have a lot of firsthand knowledge for you. Your budgeting things are just going to be different from people. You're just going to have to get yourself used to not having what other people have. It's just that simple. If you're a single mother, you're going to be more strapped. You're not going to have what other people have. You're, you're just you're just not. So I think that's my big thing. Just get used to not having things. Just get used to not having new things. It won't last forever. It won't. Your kids will be away and gone. But you've got to look at your life like I'm a missionary. Nobody who's a missionary over in Ethiopia or some third world country gets upset that they don't have Netflix or gets upset that they don't have a new car because they go, I'm a missionary, man. That, 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 that's just what I'm doing. They have a total different mindset. You as a single mother, you're just not going to have those things. So say, I'm going to be a missionary to these kids. I'm building a future with these kids, and that means I'm not going to have these things. The, the core issue of all of our spending problems we're going to get into is we spend more than we make. <laughs> you don't have to worry about anything financially if you can simply not spend money. Like if they had a course, how to not spend money, that would do it for you. But we're not up for that thing that's that that simple. But for this situation, yeah, you're a missionary. That's the dragon you got to slay. 
Is being motivated by money in the workplace a bad thing? I don't think it's a bad thing. I think if money is your God, that's a bad thing. But being motivated by money, I tell you what, if I'm if I got somebody working me who doesn't have at least a little bit of motivation about money, I get a little freaked out. You know, because if you're not motivated, I have a little bit of motivation about money. I do. I'm, I'm, I'm motivated to have as many listeners as possible on the aggressive life and on Instagram because I'm motivated to have Yeti sponsor me and me have all the free Yeti stuff I can ever have. I, I want. I, there's a there's a motivation there. So no, I don't think it's motive, bad at all to be motivated by money in the workplace. But if money is your only motivation, if money is money is your only deciding factor, if money is your only love you're going to have a very difficult and lonely life. Good answer. Question, help me get on the same page with my husband about spending versus saving and how to spend money for fun. So much in life is a compromise. You're going to have to get together and compromise. One of you is going to want to spend more than the other. One's going to want to save more than the other. And you're going to have to say, okay, here's all your money here that you get to spend. And I'm never going to judge you for what you're spending there. And he or she, whoever's the spender, has got to get a bone thrown their way. And they're going to have to see you go, okay, and here's how much we're saving. And that's sacred. And I'm never going to complain about how much money we're putting away. But you're going to have to both see that spending money on the right things that was going to build your marriage. Your money is there to build things. It builds homes. It builds memories. It builds relationships. A couple that's not spending money together is not going to stay together. It's when we spend money on having a beer together, on a vacation together, on a whatever together, that stuff goes forward. So you're, you're just going to have to be very honest, and both of you are going to have to give it a little bit. In your marriage, which one of you is the saver or the spender, or are you both one or the other? I think we're both we're both at heart spenders, but I I feel more of a burden for the savings. So I I set up the automatic stuff and and, and lib falls along with it. But boy, I tell you what, the <laughs> your your later years come on you quickly, like really quick. Fifty four came on me like a fart in the wind. I mean, it just immediately bam on me, and I'm and I'm just thankful that. The right people built into me and and forced me to do automatic saving much earlier in life where I'm where I'm okay right now. But somebody's got to take up that ball. What's the biggest financial risk you've taken? Leaving a denomination and an established church in Pittsburgh to come to Cincinnati and work for eleven people or start a church with eleven people. We had no denominational support, no mother church support. I had zero savings. At that point in my life, at age 30, the only savings I had was enough maybe for the next car insurance bill. That was a huge, massive, massive risk that I took. That, that, that's up there, and hey, it worked out. How would you recommend budgeting in terms of just percentages? What are the big things that you would put major percentages into from a, a check that you get, and how would you spend them? I think the basic plan— that's been said by a lot of people and works really well is 10, 10, 80 plan, 10, 10, 80. The first 10% goes outside yourself to God. First 10%, period. I'm speaking to people of faith right now. That is called the tithe. Even people who aren't people of faith, like Robert Kiyosaki and his dad, rich man, poor dad, 
talks about that first 10% is critical to get the money, the money rolling. So first 10% is the tithe. It's not yours. It's you return it to God. You return it to your local church. That's the first 10%. The second 10% is you pay yourself. That's your savings. You pay God first, you give him his cut, and then you pay yourself first. That's your savings. That's got to be automated. It's the first thing. And then the last 80%, you can do whatever the heck you want to do with I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of car loans. I don't know if anyone's going to ask car loans. I'm not a fan of car loans because I don't want that big of a percentage of my remaining 80% to be locked into a monthly payment. But hey, if you want a massive car payment in your 80%, great. I don't think it's smart financially, meaning I think you could have more money if you did something else with that in the future. But if a car is important to you and you know nothing about about cars at all, nothing about how a mechanic operates, okay, maybe a maybe a car payment might be the right thing. But but you got to figure out in that eighty percent how you enjoy your life. But it's got to be on the eighty percent. If you're doing inside the eighty percent, okay, then. What are the big things you spend within that eighty percent? If you got your tithing, you got your saving. What are the next big things? Next big buckets of money you spend? Uh, next big buckets would be adventure for me. I've been to New Zealand on an overlanding trip, flew there, rented vehicles, overlanded for two weeks. I've been on a motorcycle trip through some very, very technical, difficult things in in Colorado. I have been to um, to overland as well. In, gosh, where was I? I even forget where it was. In Virginia. I ha- I've done some other things. So I'm spending a lot of money on experiences with my wife. And that means not just plane tickets, but that's like gear that I buy. Now, if you ask me how much, I couldn't even tell you how much right now. I'm blessed right now to be in a place where my budget is, I'm giving to God first, well beyond 10%. I'm saving beyond 10% right now. And the rest of it, if I make the rest go paycheck to paycheck, then I'm happy. And I've got enough, you know, once you've been, once you've been doing the right things and now you're buying your cars for cash, like I'm doing, uh, once you've been doing the right things, you've got all the stuff set up. When you get to my phase, budgets are still fine, but discretionary income is huge. I've got a lot of discretionary income because we've done the right thing for decades and our kids are out of the house. So I pretty, Lib and I pretty much do anything we want right now so long as we don't go into credit card debt. And that's where we are. Very few people get there. That's where we are. I know some people go like, oh, no, but you just have a budget. You have to stick to it. Yeah, I'll tell you. my budget is I'm giving way, way more than 10%. My budget is I'm saving way, way more than 10%. That's my budget. That's what I, everything else. I'm doing whatever the hell I want to do. Everything else, and it's working. Great. Here's one for you. How much should one spend on an engagement ring? I think the... The, the benchmarks out there, I've heard, like, what is it, a year of your salary or two months of your salary? I don't, people, mm-hmm. I don't know what, what the, what, what are the benchmarks? You heard Three the, months, I think. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think as you're getting married, you're, you're going to have to figure this one out. I don't, I don't, three months, okay. I, I would make it a very interesting conversation on, like, the second date that you have. This would be an interesting one. We should be having good conversation with people when we date. It's part, one of the reasons why we go to sex too soon is we're not having stimulating conversations. So one really stimulating conversation, the very first date would be is, what are your sexual boundaries that you keep in your life? That's the first, I would ask that the first. The second date, a really fascinating question is, because obviously it's not serious, 
What what do you think the right amount to spend on an engagement ring? You should ask that the second one because obviously it's not serious and you'll find out a lot about that person. You know, what they what they think about things and what their parameters are. If you've got the money for it and she likes big rocks, great, fine, get the big rocks. But I'll say if you want to get to a different place financially, you're going to have to do different things financially. And these parameters people are following are crushing us. The amount of credit card debt and the amount of stress we have financially is inordinate. And you're going to have to do things that other people aren't doing in order to get to a new place. And that may mean you wear a rubber ring. I've got a rubber ring on. I've had three engagement or three wedding rings that were gold. I got them cut off because my finger got broken or I lost them in a river. What if I'm getting a rubber ring? Liberators a rubber ring right now. Both of us, I think, would say, man, if we could go back and do it again, we would have just bought rubber rings, and that would have been just fine for us. Is there a fine line between being aggressive and stupid? Uh, example, paying debt in not smart ways. Yeah, of course. Of course. Everyone's afraid to be stupid, which is why we're not being aggressive. So, yeah, there is. Uh, you're going you're gonna to have to figure out what that is. So the example here is paying debt in not smart ways. I don't know what a not smart way to pay down debt would be. One not smart way would be to take out things from your retirement account because you're going to pay penalties on that. And you're also going to feel really crappy about that. A lot of these things about momentum. If you have saved and set money aside and then you rate it, you're going to be deflated because you stopped your retirement momentum. Um, so you want to be cognizant of the, of the momentum thing when it comes to debt. But the same way, if you're in credit card debt, the best thing to do, and I did this, and Libby and I did this in 1988, 89, long before programs like Financial Peace came along with this debt snowball, long, long before we let we leveraged the, the law of momentum. Go after your smallest credit card debt first. Don't, don't worry about which has the highest interest rate, your smallest one. Pay that off, transfer all that money to your next smallest one, pay that off. Cause you're gonna feel good like, oh, I got that one done. Like, and once momentum builds, like anything else, physical fitness or anything else, you're gonna wanna go to the next level. Last question, this is a tithing question. So, all right. Uh, we made a ton of money selling our house. And God told us to tithe, and we didn't. Now what? Uh, go back and make it right, if you can. I mean, if you if if you spent that money, I I actually I actually did this recently. I've t- I've given God the first ten percent of every increase that I get. So when I get a paycheck, that's an increase. At the end of the year, if I've got stocks, they increased. He gets ten percent of that. Uh, when I've sold a house, the increase, which was. M- the price of the house minus what I bought it for, minus all the additions and all the other stuff I did. That's it. I, I've taught this most recent one. Stupid me. I either forgot or hard heartedly I didn't do that. And I realized, oh gosh, you know. And fortunately, I was blessed to have savings to be able to go back and, and give God his cut. So I did that. Now, if you've if you have zero savings to do that, okay, okay. Chalk it up to a learning. I learned now and just resolve to make it right as you go forward or to do better the next time. Giving is a matter of the heart, and God knows our heart based on what we do. And so from here on out, do the right thing and and enjoy your life. Man, that's good. 
You guys put that stuff into practice, and you will see your lives begin to change. We got we got one more episode left. It's coming at you tomorrow, and it's about starting new ventures. Till then, head over to bryantome.com, sign up for the mailing list, and check out more articles, podcasts, and aggressive living. I'm also active on Instagram. Follow at brytome. Special thanks to the band judges for the music. See ya tomorrow. The Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.